Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Best Got Beat. It's episode 19. My name is Luke Hatfield. I'm joined by a man who was so nice today. A, he hasn't called in his coffee as part of the deal that we had, which many of the listeners will know all about. Also, let me 10p so I can buy a twirl right before this podcast, Mr. Joe Massey. I am lovely, aren't I, to you? I'm so good to you. You're too nice. You owe me four coffees, and you're right, you offered me one, and I said no, didn't I? Saved yeah, your money yeah. today, and I've given you money to buy a twirl, which you're eating now, bizarrely, of all well, the times to start eating it, you thought you'd do it just as we're about to record. You know when you just, you know you're really hungry, and you, you need something just to perk you up? I mean, this is my second podcast of the day, by the way. Daryl Clark's appointment as Walsall manager should perk you up, young man. It has. You don't need a twelve, mate. It has. But it's a know, new era. It's been a long week for me. Oh, it's been <laughs> a long week for you. You want to come on my side of the fence? Long week for you. Jesus, I'm walking around half asleep. One day we should switch jobs, you know. Oh, we really should. We really, really should. I think you'd realise exactly what we do. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you might realise what we do, mate. I know what you guys do. Mate. You put in a shift. I'm not going to lie. You put in a shift. Um. But yeah, the big news of the day, um, I was worried about this podcast, by the way, earlier on this week. I was thinking, oh, we're just going to be talking about League 2 relegation. Fortunately, it's been brightened up. A big news of the day, Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark. He's in as Walsall boss. Manager search over. I'm a little bit surprised, if I'm honest. I'm very surprised this today. Um, I don't know why I should be, really. I mean, let's be honest, Keats went back in April and... We've, we've, we've been relegated for a week. So, I mean, the board have certainly had a long time to identify targets and bring someone in. I'm laughing because you're just chomping your twirl. This is absolutely ridiculous. What? These claims are absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, um, please. I'm very, very, I'm very, very pleased we've got a man in. Um, I'm pleased. I'm, I'm pleased. I, I, I was a bit worried as it was sort of dragging out. I thought something might happen earlier in the week and then it obviously didn't. Yeah. And as it got to like later in the week, you started to think, well, hang on, what's going on here, really? Just like, because like I said, we have had time, haven't we? Like, from the moment, well, look, you don't just sack a manager. Walsall knew weeks before they sacked Keats that there must have been a chance it was going to happen. They then had him sacked for a couple of weeks back in April, like we said. And then, obviously, they've had a lot of time. Done a bit of an um, Albion, haven't they? Done a, <laughs> wow, done a bit of an Albion. Oh, Albion don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, so I wonder why I had to. I thought it'd be early this week. As as it dragged on, I, did, I got a bit, little bit worried. But um, look, the truth is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted he's come in today. Um, I'm delighted it's done and dusted. The, the the reason why, as every Walsall fan will know, is we've got 19 players out of contract. Um, mm. Those players have to be told whether they're going to be offered a new deal or not on May the 18th. I want I want the manager of Walsall to make those decisions. Look, I think. A lot of those decisions are probably pretty straightforward, if we're being honest. Um, however, I would much rather the manager of Walsall Football Club made it rather than people above him or the board um, making those decisions because that's what Plymouth have done. Yeah. Um, Plymouth uh, put their release and retain list out pretty much like a day or two after relegation. They obviously haven't got a manager, so that's been a board decision, but... I want Daryl Clark to look at these players and decide who he wants, who he doesn't want, who he's willing to offer deals to. Because um, that's in the best interest of the football club, isn't it? In my mm. opinion, the manager is the most important person at a football club and, and he's got to make all these decisions for me. Eight days, though. I mean, it doesn't give you a long time to look at players, does it? No, and probably... And yeah, it's not it's not long. It'd be interesting to see when they announce the information, um, whether they'll wait to the 18th. It might be after the 18th. Um, mm. It might be next week, but it might be after it. But look... The way the game is these days, 
Look, the chances are Daryl Clark has known for some a fair few weeks now um, that he was definitely in contention of having the Walsall job. I'm sure he's seen the last couple of games. Look, he wasn't at the games, we don't think. I mean, if he was, no, certainly nobody spotted him there. Yeah. But there's a wonderful system now called Scout where you can watch every single game. Um, look, for me, it's not like being at the games. I'd much rather watch a game in the flesh oh, than yeah. um, watch it on, on a laptop or whatever. But... He will have a he will have a chance to watch all the games. Look, football is the smallest community. Everybody mm. knows everyone. He'll, he'll have a really good idea about the players already. Anyway, of course he's going to do his research. Of course he is. Um, so yeah, he's not got long. Um, but let's be honest, this, this, we're not in an ideal world, are we? No one wanted to be relegated at the end of the season. We all wanted to be doing a lot better than we have been. So it's not perfect, but. I think he has got an opportunity. He's got he's got the time probably he needs to make the decisions he needs to he needs to get to. Yeah. So Joe, I mean, fill the listeners in because not everyone will know a whole lot about Daryl Clark. Um, where's he come from? What's he done? Um, is he the man to get Walsall back into League One? I think he. I think there's a very very strong chance he is. Um, so much to say on Daryl Clark. Um, so much to say on it. But I want to start really by saying. I don't think it's a stretch to say this is the most important managerial appointment Jeff Bonds has ever made. Mm. Um, 27 years he's been at the helm. Um, and look, we've got, we got to be honest, like Walsall are at a crossroads. They are at a massive, massive crossroads. I, feel, I, don't, know, I don't know if I said it in the podcast before, but I definitely said it in my comment piece when after we went down. If you're in League One and you mess things up, you end up in League Two. It's not the end of the world. Mm. You mess things up in League Two, you're potentially in the National League. Now that's a disaster. There's no two ways about it. That is a cat- that is a catastrophic turn of events. So Walsall last went down. It's 12 seasons in League One for Walsall. Last time they dropped down into the level, 2006-2007 season, they went up as champions. But but it is going to be much, much harder to get up this time This time around. Football has changed so much in those 12 years. For example, in the in the division that year that they won the league, in league, what was effectively League 2 back then, yeah. was Stockport, Darlington, Barnet, Chester, Wrexham, Torquay and Boston. Some massive clubs there. I mean, you list those. They were, they, they were in League 2 that year. I mean, that is staggering, I think. Absolutely staggering. Teams that have really fallen down the football pyramid. Um, I mean, Wrexham, they lost the playoffs this week. They just cannot get out of that National League. No. Stockport, uh, fallen further. I mean, Chester National League North. Like, I'm not saying, obviously, like, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Walsall, but what we're saying is that, 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 that first and foremost, League Two is going to be a lot tougher next year. You look at Swindon, you look at Port Vale, you look at Crew. They've not come straight back up, have they? No. Um, and on top of that, you've got teams coming from non-league um, who are throwing money at it. Fylde and Salford, for example, they're in the National League playoff final. Yeah. We all know Salford offered more money to Andy Cook last season than Walsall offered him. Mm-hmm. Like they are absolutely spanking cash at it, the class of '92's money. So League Two is incredibly tough and. We know teams can fall through the trap door. We know they can. Tram may have gone down before. Leighton Orient went down. Notts County this year have gone down with a massive budget. Mm. Um, so Walsall have got to, got to, got to stabilise the ship. They've And they've got to be competitive next season. They have got to be a strong League Two side. Because if they're not, then 
fans just aren't going to put up with it. They're, they're not going to just constantly, every week, turn out to watch a mid-table League 2 team. Mm. Um, so I just think Daryl Clark's the man they've chosen, but this is, in my opinion, it's the biggest, biggest appointment Bonds has ever made. It is big, and he's gone big with it as well. Three-year deal. Um, that's quite a commitment. Yeah. Well, it is a commitment, and it's an interesting one. I Look... Managers negotiate their deals, don't they? So we have absolutely no idea what was said at these meetings. I was a little bit surprised by the three-year deal. Whitney was given a lengthy deal. Keats was given a lengthy deal. Clark has now been given a lengthy deal. Um, it's great in a way because you put in stability. You want stability, and Clark does seem to be a project manager, a manager of a long-term vision. And God, all we want, all we want is him to be there for those three years, don't yeah, we? I mean, yeah. if he's there for three years and we've had three. Were decent years in worst case scenario, um, but I can completely see why they've gone for him. The record, his record is 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 excellent. Um, you look at why he, did, he won two promotions with Salisbury. Um, I've got to admit, my not, my knowledge of non-league isn't amazing, so I'll leave that there. He won two promotions with Salisbury, Salisbury City, yeah, Bristol Rovers. He took them from the National League to League One, back to back promotions. Um, he then established them as a League One side. In that time, sort of flirted with the playoffs mid-table. There was a time when they looked like they could maybe be a top six team. Look, last season he left. He got he did get sacked. Um, but he got sacked. The chief executive said when he got sacked, he's probably the most successful manager in Bristol Rovers history. It's a claim. It's, it's a claim. It's a claim so, so that is a type of manager. That's what the chief executive who, who sacked Daryl Clark has said about him. Probably the most successful manager in the club's history. Two things, I mean, I'm rattling on, I know I'm talking a lot here, but mate, I've got a lot to say. I've basically done my research, I need to get it all out there if you two answer questions. Part so, the information on the listeners, mate, that's what they want. The two things that really interest me, well, that interest me about Clark at Bristol Rovers, I mean, he did a fantastic job, no one can dispute that. He got offered the Leeds job while he was there. Mm. Um, he turned it down. Now, I think he deserves massive, massive credit for that. We know Leeds, he, he basically got offered the Leeds job similar to when Paul Heckenbottom Got it. Paul Heckenbottom did really, really well at Barnsley. Let's be honest, he ditched Barnsley to manage Leeds United. Now, Leeds United, what a support, what a big club, what we get, get what an opportunity it was. But Bielsa aside, it's been a basket case of a club, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so for Daryl Clark to turn that down, I think is incredible, really, because 90% of managers wouldn't. They I'd, would, I'd say a higher percentage of that. Higher, yeah. Most of them would believe they'd be arrogant enough, and I think the world is arrogant enough to believe they could turn it round. I think you've got to be arrogant as a manager, though, haven't you? You've got to believe in your own abilities. Yeah, absolutely, but you've also got to do, like, there's no point in, like, taking a job like that and being on the scrappy four months later, and I think that's what, why Clark would have turned that job down. It would have been more money. I mean, it's Leeds. It's Leeds United. It's a massive job. I think he was really, really sensible to turn that down. And I really, really don't think, like you, like we said, you, you think more than 90%. I don't think a lot of people would turn it down. And then the other thing that impressed, in terms of similar thing, Norwich were interested in him mm. when they sacked Alex Neal in 2017. Um, so not, not long ago at all. Um, now, from what we understand, Norwich were keen on him. That, that, that interest was sort of fairly well known. But he didn't turn them down directly. But what yeah. he did do was commit his future to Bristol Rovers. Mm. Um, and I'm a bit, look, I'm a boy at Ipswich fan. 
it pains me to say it, but Norwich are so good at appointing managers. You look at their track record. The, I mean, they they get it right so way, way, way more often than not. I mean, they always do a brilliant job of getting out of the championship. They've done it again, obviously, this season with the Fark guy. Um, the Fark guy. Yeah, I can't remember what his first name is. <laughs> Daniel Fark. Daniel Fark. That's that. But like Alex Neal, what an appointment he was for them, and and it goes on and goes on and goes on. They're very they they, they appoint good managers. So if Norwich were looking at him. Um, that is another thing that fills me with a lot of confidence. Um, I think so. I do. I really, I'm really sort of enthused by the appointment. I'm, I'm excited again, and I think God knows we needed some excitement. And I think Walsall fans are excited again. Yeah, I must admit, you know, when you when you portray him in that respect, when you're seeing big clubs going for him, you gotta think this is a bit of a coup for, for Walsall because no, no offense to Walsall whatsoever, but I think you know. A lot of a lot of fans wouldn't have expected someone with his kind of track record, if he was of interest to Leeds and Norwich, to really you know go for a job like Walsall. Yeah, I, I agree. I've seen a few people on Twitter say it's a kick. I think I think it is really. Um, look, he, he was never going to get a championship job. Could he have got a League One job? Probably. Yeah. I think he would definitely. What what he would be is in contention for one. Um, and if he interviewed well, he'd have every chance to get him one. I think um, he's gone. He's gone, gone. Gone into League Two with Walsall. I mean, the the, the great thing is, is it's only recently that he's won promotion from the level. He knows what the division's all about, which is just absolutely massive for me. I think Walsall fans, if they're being honest, would have been happy with Hurst, Holloway, um, Keith Hill, or Daryl Clark. I think Hurst looks like he's off to Scunthorpe. Hurst does look like he's off to Scunthorpe, and I think that will make them a real threat next season. I would yeah. make them really, I'd really put them in the promotion picture because of that appointment. But I think if you look at all those four managers, you'd have to say all four of them would be very good appointments. Outside mm. that, I think we're getting in risky territory. Yeah, um, we're ga- every every appointment's a gamble, obviously, but we're gambling more outside those four, and I think. Any one of those four were good appointments, and we've got one of them. Mm, that's it. I mean, it's a good appointment by the sounds of it. Of course, you have to see what, what happens next season. Um, but Joe, I mean, he's took the job now. Um, big commitment, three years. What would you say are his three biggest tasks now that he's come in? Three biggest tasks? Yeah, so I'm not I'm not going to ask just for one, because the, the one would be, I'll pick him which players he's got. So that's obviously a big task. That could be one of them. Yeah. What other tasks does he oh, have? That's a good question. Um, always put me on the spot in this podcast. So the first one is obviously the contract. So just, just to elaborate on that, 19 players out of contract. Now, when he took over at Bristol Rovers, he released 16 players and signed 13. Now, I think that would be music to the ears of Walsall fans. Yeah. Um, he, that, I mean, basically, he massively re, I mean, released 16 players. We've also got 19 players. It, I mean... We're probably looking at around 16 again, maybe could go. So, I mean, yeah. what is going to happen this summer? Daryl Clark has lived lived and breathed. He's been there, done it, got the T-shirt and, and turned it round. Mm-hmm. And that must have been one of the reasons why Walsall's board plumped for him, I think. Yeah. That's a huge, huge factor. So, first task, sort that out. Second task, I'm going to say, is sort out the backroom team. Um Bringing his own backroom team, I'd say. That's absolutely no disrespect to Andy Davis, Michael Oakes. Um, but what they were Keats's men. Yeah. Um, and I just think Keats was successful at Wrexham with those people. And I think you need to... What's made you successful in the past, I think you need to take it with you. So I think mm. Keats was absolutely right to bring them to Walsall. 
but I think Clark should work with the people who made him successful yeah. at Bristol Rovers. Um, that's a, it's not as straightforward as that. I don't. I mean, I think everyone pretty much signed deals as long for as long as Keats did. So, and I'm not saying they couldn't stay and do a job. Um, but I think that's an issue that definitely needs resolved. One of the first questions when he meets the press on Tuesday is going to be, what's going on with the backroom team? Everyone's going to want to know the answer to that. Yeah. Third one, you're putting me on the spot, is... I mean, he needs to forge a clear identity for the club, but that's that's a huge one. I'm going to say, getting some confidence back in Liam Roberts, you know. Yeah. That would be one that... I mean, I, I, I've said it a million times before... I believe he's a real, real talented lad. I had uh, someone, someone contacted me this week who used to work for the club. They honestly believed he was championship bound mm. um, at one stage. And I completely understand why he thinks that. There's no doubt he lost, his, he lost confidence last season, but he's 23 years old. I think he, he could still be a hell of a keeper for Walsall. He's just lost his way a little bit. He, just, he needs an arm around him, basically. Mm. Um, and hopefully Clark will like, do that and then that's one position that Wolves will be sorted for because if they get Liam Roberts back on top form they will have an outstanding League 2 goalkeeper I've got no doubt about it yeah and as you said you know the identity thing was important I think as well that you mentioned that because you know Walsall as, as you said previously they haven't really had a proper identity since Dean Smith was there and you've had chopping and changing the managers since and it's a lot of fans were probably looking at the team and you saw it toward the back end of this season when they got a result against Peterborough but then they're losing to teams they shouldn't... Well, I say they shouldn't lose to, but they did lose to when they were relegated. The teams you'd expect them to perform better against. And you can see there's no real clear identity in the side. And it's something that needs putting in place. Yeah, I think Keats tried to build an identity in, in, in fairness to him. Um, I think it was ba- not just simply non-league players, but it was develop those... Like rough gems, really. Yeah. Andy Cook being the prime example. Josh Gordon, a big example. Dan Scar, Keats really wanted Dan Scar. He wanted him in the summer. He didn't get him. He, he then got him, obviously, in January. I think he wanted... That was Keats's model, really, was mm-hmm. to buy players who really were hungry, <clears throat> really had a point to prove, and, and who saw Walsall as a big progression in their career, which I really like. I really like that. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm quite critical of Matt Jarvis quite a lot, but... I always felt like if he had helped keep Walsall up, yeah. where would that have ranked in his career? And it probably wouldn't have been in the top five moments. And no. that, that bothers me. Like, like you asked George Dobson where that goal against Northampton ranks, and it's one of one, isn't it? Like he yeah. is, that is top of the list. And that's what I want from Walsall's players. I want it to be mean everything to them, because um, it means absolutely everything to the fans. Um so I can understand why Keats went that way. Look, he tried to set up a scouting network. Um, it obviously, it I suppose that hasn't really had the time, really, to bear fruit. Um, no. But he did have a plan, Keats, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I wrote when he left, he knew the problems at Walsall. He just didn't really, he just couldn't fix them. Mm. That's how I felt with Keats. Um, so, yeah, the, but the identity thing is absolutely massive. Walsall desperately, desperately. Under Smith, they developed players, they developed their youth players, they developed players let go by bigger clubs, but they played in a way where everyone understood it and was on board with it. Mm. And that's what Clark needs to do. Get a way of playing that everyone appreciates and they know what they're going to get from their team every week. And fans, even if they're not winning every week, fans can see potential, they can see promise and they can just get behind it. Mm. And that's the vision, isn't it? That's what he needs to do. Certainly is. Um, 
so he's coming now. What do you reckon will be the target set to him by Walsall's board? It's a very, very good question. And honestly, I don't know what the answer is. My my target would be playoffs as a bare minimum. Mm. And that that has absolutely no logic to it. We've said like, I mean, I've said multiple times in the paper, it's my understanding that the budget this too was middle of the road, League 2. Mm. Um, yeah, last season, sorry, was middle of the road, League 2. Um so that would mean if it isn't cut, which I'm sure it probably will be, yeah. then it would be middle of the road league two again, if not worse. So really you can't expect to be saying you should be competing for promotion. But like the truth is, historically Walsall are a League One club. They've spent more time in that division than any other side. They've won more points at that in that in that sort of in English football's third tier than any other side. That is where historically they belong. Budget no, they don't belong there. You mm. could argue attendances, they don't belong there. But history is a massive part of a club's stature and standing in the game. Yeah. And historically, they are a third-tier club um, that occasionally gets up into the championship and that occasionally goes down into League Two. So, I, look, I want to be competing next season. I don't think there's any, any shame in that. Like, we've just been relegated. We deserve a shot at going back up. Mm. Um, and, and being honest, I don't think Clark would have taken it if he didn't think he could do that. No. I think he's taken that job thinking, do you know what, I can get Walsall up. And if I do, my stock as a manager is very, very high. He'll have three promotions between Bristol Rovers and Walsall and two with Salisbury as well. So your standing in the game would be very, very high. Okay, so if that would be his target, what do you think would be a good season for Walsall? Because they're not necessarily the same thing. Oh, right, so a good season. A good season... Do you reckon good season is promotion? Yeah, I think I almost think like I know I'm contradicting. I think like a very good season is promotion. And a good season. Good season playoffs. When uh, what, okay, what is a bad season? Bad season is twelfth or below. So is if that he, fair? If, do you think? Yeah. So if he finishes, you know, between the playoffs and twelfth. Yeah. Do you think that's acceptable? Well, so, I mean, what is it? So, three teams go up, isn't it? And then four teams in the playoffs. So, one, two, three. So, four, fifth, sixth, and seventh are in the playoffs. So, you're saying eight, nine, tenth, eleventh in those four places. Um, it, it, look, it'd be acceptable is the word, isn't it? I suppose it, it, it depends on how you finish up. Because well, if you finish within a point of the playoffs, you think, well, we might have been unlucky. If you finish in eleventh and you're ten points off the playoffs. And you're going to be in with a shout. If you're in that, I mean, let's have a look. Where tenth? Who finished tenth? Steve. Stevenage, and they were a point off. And they were a point off. So look, if that happened next season and we finished a point off the playoffs, that would be acceptable, wouldn't it? People would say, "Oh, do you know what? We've missed out by a point. It's his first year in charge. Mm. We're building. We'll have a better side next year. We'll go again." So that's acceptable. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, but I, I really think we should give it a go. I really do. I really, really do. I think a lot of fans will think the same as well. Um, as you said, big task dealing with the contracts. Who do you reckon he will fancy to stay? Who do you reckon he won't? Is there anyone he needs to really convince, do you reckon? Ooh. We've done this on the podcast before, haven't we? Um, da, 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 da. Who do I think he'll, he'll want to stay? Yeah. Uh, I genuinely, genuinely don't know at the minute. And I don't... And I don't I feel like, look, we all know, Walsall fans know where we are. It's been a dreadful season, let's be honest. The players have taken an awful lot 
of stick, a lot of abuse. Mm. In my opinion, that abuse has gone too far. In the opinion of the players, that ab- abuse has gone too far. I know that I've spoken to mul- multiple players about it. Um, there's going to be players who want to leave. There's yeah. no doubt about it. There's going to be players who want to leave. Um, so the out of contract ones, look, the big one for me is Liam Kinsella. I really, really want him to stay. I think he will stay, but then again, not 100% convinced. I think there is a chance a League One club will come in for him. Um, I'd like Nicky Devlin to stay, mm. um, just because he gives us all every single week. Um, but I think wages will be an issue there. Yeah. Um, after that, I don't know really. I, I, I think there'll be a lot of players who, who want to have a fresh start. I think they'll. I think they will want to go. If I'm being yeah. honest, I think they will want a fresh start. And if they do want a fresh start, that's their right. But then, do they see? Do they see a new manager at Walsall as a fresh start? Though I don't. I don't think they do. To be honest, it's more of the the issue. I suppose is if you've been getting stick from the fan base, a new manager doesn't stop. Doesn't change the fan base, does it? And it's not just the fans. But I do think like the, the last two years have not been great, have they? Like these players, as much as. I, there's a lot of them I really like and there's a lot of them I think have got potential to do better and play, go higher and be competing higher up in League One. The bottom line is for the last two years we have been a team that has either narrowly avoided relegation or gone down. Yeah. Um, so I just think they've had, tough, they've had tough, a tough two years um, in terms of on the field. A lot of, they've had a tough couple of years off the field as well. And I think some of them will just... Fan, genuinely want a new club, a fresh start, and just if some moves are good for footballers, aren't they? Just reinvigorate yeah. them a little bit. You can go a little bit stale, um, and I think they know that Walsall's fans want them to go as well. If yeah. we're being honest, like almost like, like a mutual agreement. It's like a mutual like John Guffrey comes in from an awful lot of criticism. For me, there's been times when in his Walsall career, this is not not the past say three or four months, but in his when he's been out when he's been excellent, mm. he has been a very very good League One defender, John Guthrie. I mean Russell Martin, what a disastrous era that was. But Russell Martin said he felt John Guthrie could play in the Championship. Yeah. Um, and let's be honest, Russell Martin played in the Premier League. He knows what he's talking about. Mm. Um, but I think fans probably want to see Guthrie go now. Even yeah. though that there's been some outstanding performances in his two years at the club, and he's at one stage he was a very very consistent defender. I think he's prob- most fans would probably release him, and that doesn't really make sense because he could be a very very good player in League Two. Um, but I think that's where we're at with a lot of it now. I think it is almost like mutual. I think mm. just everyone just wants a fresh start, um, and Daryl Clark is the start of a fresh start, really. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who stays and who goes. Um, one other point worth touching on, um, a story which you wrote, Joe, uh, about certain Mr Holloway. Um, he was interested, um, or he was keen to speak to Walsall. He was, um, yeah. I think a lot of fans liked the idea of it, especially when he mentioned you know playing football like Blackpool back in the day. I think a lot of a lot of fans, especially of neutral, of a neutral capacity, enjoyed the way Blackpool played football. They went out and they were like, we're going to try and score more goals than you. We're fully accepting that we're going to concede three or four, but we're planning on scoring four or five. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, it would have been interesting. There's a lot to say on it. I mean, like, I think, I mean, the story I've got in terms of like the story itself, it's generated a lot of hits, hasn't it, on the website? A lot of people have read it. I mean, the comments and like have been outstanding. There's loads and loads and loads of in the reaction from it. To make just so people are abundantly clear what happened, and I think it is important that this is explained is. 
My job every day is to get two stories in the paper that are Walsall. Yeah. I have to do I have to do other things, of course. I have to write other stories, all general sport, but I have to have two stories in the paper every day about Walsall. Yeah. Now, at this time of the year, it's a battle because you're not seeing managers, you're not speaking to players, there's no games, and mm-hmm. I still have to fill that space. So I have to get a back page lead for the Walsall edition every day. So I rang Ian Holloway. I want to make that clear. Just gave him a bell. I just gave him a bell. Yeah, that's what I do, mate. I'm connected. So a lot of people have said, oh, it's a PR move from Holloway. He's just putting his name out there to so he can get another job or this, that and the other. Um, that's categorically not the case. The only reason he ever spoke to us was because I got his number and I rang him. Um, and he was really enthused by the challenge. I mean, he wasn't enthused by Walsall per se, it's mm-hmm. not he's desperate to be Walsall manager. He is desperate to get back in the game and he wants to be... It is, it, the thing that came across most to me was he wants to be at a club where he won't be sacked after six or 12 months. He yeah. believed he'd get that at Walsall and he believes he believes he can be at a club long-term and build a project. Um, and that is why he was interested in the job. Um, but that that's where that's beginning then now because we've got Daryl Clark, so it doesn't really matter, but... Yeah, I just want to make that clear. It wasn't it wasn't a PR stunt by Holloway. It was he just simply took my call. He took your call and he gave you some good quotes. And I tell you what, he would have given some good quotes over the course of the season, I reckon, all year. He did, he would have, yeah. So now Clark's got to give me the same, wouldn't he? He's got to do some good quotes as well. Certainly has. Right, let's go on to questions because we've got plenty of them, Joe. Um, as you'd expect on a, on a day that a managerial appointment is made. Uh, and the first one comes from Tom Marlowe, and it's not actually managerial related. It says, "Can you hack into the twenty? You can hack into the twenty nine twenty fixture computer. Who would you like on the first day, Boxing Day, and final day? And when do you want Bradford away? If you say anything other than August and May, we can no longer be friends." So Tom Marlowe is my friend. BBC's Tom Marlowe um, covers saddlers for the beat for BBC WM. And as you know, as probably everyone knows and this listens to this podcast, I hate going to Bradford. Yep. Um they cost me my blue tick on Twitter. And Which you'll never will you ever get that back? Never get that back. And I just oh god, I can't believe I've got to go back there. I can't believe I've got to go Plymouth and Bradford. Yeah, you think like one of the saving graces of I say saving grace, a silver a, a very thin silver line into a grey cloud would be that oh at least I don't have to go here and there again yeah. and then you look and they're getting relegated with you oh. couldn't believe it I mean Valley Parade it's going to haunt me forever um, but yeah yeah. Um, well we've got, we've got to go to got to got to got to go to Bradford when it's sunny I completely agree with Tom I mean it was so funny this year I've never been to a game I mean every time I go there something goes wrong every single time um, this time last time we went it was that ice rain, remember? Oh, it yeah, was, I It remember. was genuinely hitting the desk. and for, like, I didn't know what ice rain was. I'd never heard of the term. And, like, we just couldn't... We didn't dare go outside. We, like, went outside at, like, five to three. Yeah. Because we were, like... we did Everything... You always do it every... All you work in the stands. But we went outside at, like, five to three. Everyone, media-wise, whether it, you were a Walsall persuasion, Bradford persuasion... Everyone except Tom Marlowe, who was on air at two o'clock. Oh, <laughs> and poor it, Tom. God, by three o'clock, the, it, the boy was absolutely drenched and ice cold, bless him. He oh. was freezing cold. So, um, yeah, the glamorous world of football reporting there. Yeah, definitely um, Bradford away in the summer. Who do I want first? I don't know who I want first. Um, I'd like, quite like, uh, Salford if they go up. So if they go up, just for obvious reasons, like um, it would be ace if Beckham rocked up. 
Um, other than that, I wouldn't mind Forest Green Rovers if I they was, yeah, don't go up. Yeah, I was going to say up. Forest Green if they don't go up would be a decent away day, I think. Um, yeah. And I, swear, I mean, let's be honest, when you look at the league, it's not the most exciting, is it? No, no, it certainly isn't. Um, Adam Guest, uh, what does success failure look like for next season? We kind of covered that a little bit, I think. Uh, how is uh, Clark going to decide on our retained and release list? Kind of, kind of covered that a little bit. Um, will he bring in his own backroom team? Is a three-year contract a gamble, given how disastrous the two last appointments on three-year deals have been? So we've covered all of it, really. Even the deal, really. I think it is a gamble, a three-year deal, but you'd imagine that's what he demanded. Mm. Um, and I, like I said, I think that they had to get one of those four managers. I mean, Holloway was never in the running. It was only my story that put him out there. Yeah. Uh, I think they liked. I think they. I think they want. I think they looked at Hurst. I think they looked at Hill. Well, I do know they looked at Hill. Um, and obviously, they looked at Clark. Um, so I think all that mattered was getting one of those. One of those three, really. Mm. And if that's what Daryl Clark. If Daryl Clark said it's three years or nothing, and I'd give him three years. Yeah. Yeah, you think so, um, Giles Thatcher. Will the club look to back Clark with the resources needed to overhaul in the summer and enough time to put together a squad that can compete for promotion? So, I'm not. I know. I feel like every everything I'm saying is so long-winded. But the budget. Look, we know. Look, it's Walsall. The chances are the budget's not going to be great. We all know that. the The, the big, 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 big plus is the amount of players out of contract. Mm. Basically. Clark has got the whole budget. If we like, I think we've got nine players contracted, of which one of them's Andy Cook. I I'd be amazed if he's here next season. I think he'll be sold. You cash it on him now. Um, I think there's a chance Morgan Ferrier will leave. Um, so look, the, the, there's so much money to play with for Daryl Clark. It's obviously not going to be a hell of a lot of money in terms mm. of like, but it's not it's not a massive massive budget. But the money there is available to spend. If he if he had to, it makes the budget more appealing because you could have a bigger budget, but more players contracted. Yeah, and then to you'd have to get rid of those players to bring other players in, and it's it's harder work. Whereas he isn't in he is in a relatively luxurious position of he can go out and spend almost the entire budget. And I think that is what has made the job more appealing to him. Mm. Um, he's he he can he he can do that. So I think, look, like we said, it's not going to be a lot. But you'd like to think any whoever came in managerial wise was in quite a strong position in terms of being able to sign players in the summer. Yep, snowy snow. Um, okay. Um, who should be released and who should be retained uh, plus who should we be looking to bring in we've kind of covered release and retain but anyone you'd fancy to bring in um, I haven't, do you know what I haven't had a chance to think about it I haven't it's Sorry. a tough one it's a tough one so early isn't it no you know when you're immediately being relegated you're not I mean you've you've got to bring in the manager and then you've got to see what style of play he wants to use I mean does he does he want to go with a lone striker because then you, are you really going to invest in a ton of money in other areas I mean so many questions still to answer isn't there yeah so many questions there's one lad I really like actually um, it obviously depends on the future Nicky Devlin but at right back Jack Grimmer been released by Coventry he's a very mm. good player yeah um, I'd have him straight away but other than that I, I just haven't put enough thought into it sorry that's alright don't worry um, Matt Wilson not the expressing stars Matt Wilson by the looks of it um other club going to put a long-term plan in place with this philosophy that links all teams in the club together from under 10s to the first team. If not, even though I'm very happy with Clark and it was my first choice, 
they have learned nothing since Dean Smith left. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the teams aren't linked because they obviously are. I don't know why you could unlink the teams really. Like the, all the teams are linked together. I think the question is. I suppose his argument is you should be playing a style at under seventeens, under sixteens, which would eventually look to be implemented in the, the men's team. Yeah, but does anyone do that, really, with the exception of, like, Wolves? Wolves do yeah. with their under-23. Yeah, well, they? they play 3-4-3, three, three, don't know, 3-5-2, whatever Nuno does now. But you, won't, you won't see under-10s footballers playing 3-4-3, three, three, will no, you? No, like, I think, like... I think the, there's a lot, a lot of questions to be asked about the youth policy. Are enough players coming through? Do Wolves will spend too much money on it to not get the, not get the rewards? Um, but I think what... The question... The point he's alluding to there is the club needs to be united through it. And you felt like it was united throughout when Dean, Ke- when Dean Smith was there. Um, everything, it was almost a bit Gareth Southgate England-esque. Everything felt so natural and the progression was all so natural. And everything mm. sort of flowed into that first team. It, it doesn't feel like that at the minute. Um, loads of reasons for that. I think there's a question on it, but one of them is the not taking part in the reserve league, which I've said many times was a ridiculous decision, both for youth players and for players coming back from injuries. So Clark does have to definitely look at that. Like the the flow of it is probably the best way of of saying it really. How it just every how everything can just become smoother mm-hmm. and how it feels like the club has got this philosophy and how everyone's on the same page. Because there's no doubt it hasn't felt like that um over the last couple of years. Mm. Lee Reynolds, um, I hope Clark doesn't have a scatter approach to loans. I like to see just four loanees. Wouldn't mind Johnson Ote Taylor on season-long loans. Don't know how, if they would be available, or if Clark has better contacts. What's your thought on possible loans, Joe? Um, yeah, um, I'd, li- I'd like to see Connor Johnson sign. I think he's out of contract at Wolves. Mm. Um, I'd- I think I think um, Blackett Taylor's probably going to leave Villa as well. Um, yeah. I mean, Blackett Taylor will be one to look at probably. They're very, 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 very inexperienced. Mm. Um, and this is the problem also we've got with the budget is they pl- they're assigning players like Blackett Taylor who first-team football is a completely new thing to them. And I think we saw that a lot with Blackett Taylor. I think we've seen it a lot with Connor Johnson, say, in these last three or four games where it felt like Connor Johnson played very well for like 89 minutes. But perhaps in one moment, you there was a moment where you, you worried for him. Um, and it can, you can be punished. Um, look, loan players, look, if we could sign 11 Jason McCarthy's, we'd do it. But I don't massively want a team full of kids on loan, all contracted to parent clubs, and their whole experience has been in Premier League 2 or whatever league Villa play in. I don't know what league Villa play in, the youth team play in. But I just want 25-year-old players in their prime leaders, mm. do you know what I mean, who get stuck in and know what the division's about. So I'd keep loan players to a minimum. I always would um, to agree with the question. But but players like Aramide Ote, look, there's no doubt he's got potential, but I don't want I don't want someone who's unproven anymore. Like, he's complete... I know he played for QPR last season, but he was completely unproven. The thing like he said in an interview, he, he never, he'd never, like, been out of... away from home before. Yeah. And there he is, rocking up at Walsall, 20 years old, and... Suddenly, he's got a set into new surroundings, playing a division he's never played in before. I think um, he said he'd never played in a front, uh, up front on his own or something before. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a hell of a lot of him to ask, isn't it? And, and the truth is, he didn't deliver. And, yeah. and the reason why is because it was a hell of a lot of him to ask. So, I just like to see him a, a, a better 
average age of the squad, really. More, mm. I just like to see more experience across the board. Yeah, interesting. Um, Jason Broadhurst, if you could pick, if you could go back in time and report on any Saddlers season, which one would you pick? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, the year Graydon took him up. Um, Pretty special. And like, I mean, like Nick Alwell covered that year. He works here, and mm. oh my god, the stories he tells. Like, they, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like, they went, I think they went to Scotland on a pre-season tour, and they were like, they didn't have anywhere to train. They were driving around on a bus <sighs> looking for fields, and he said like. I think they just had try list after try list after try list, mm. Graydon did, in that era. And he said you'd watch them and some of them were just horrendous. And then you'd watch others and they were just absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, and the stories that came out of it, I mean, obviously Marshy, Jimmy Walker, um, Andy Rammel. I mean, like these were big, big personalities. D- yeah. Dean Keats, like big, and like they had a right laugh. They mm. had a right laugh. And, and um, it must have just been the most fantastic year covering that team um, yeah I'd absolutely I'd love to have done that mm. um, John Chambers interesting question um, have you had any dealings with Clark Joe or have you heard what he's like as a person not really had any dealings with him I've sat in on presses after games um, Bristol Rovers have a media room where they always do their presses so both managers go in um, to that room um, so I've seen him co- Apparently he's quite, I mean, he's, he, I think I've been told today by someone in the media that he's, he likes doing the press, but, yeah. but he sees it as a bit of a battle. Neil Etheridge used to see the press as a battle. Mm. He used to sit there and answer my questions and do his absolute best to say absolutely nothing. And then you'd end it and he'd give you a massive grin and be like really proud of himself and be yeah. like, you've got nothing there, have you? He, I mean, it was all very well like me. It was all good banter, really. I've heard he, he sees press as a bit of a battle, so... Um, yeah, it's going to be. In, it's going to. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about him to be honest, but it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't. I, I don't think he's going to be quite as chatty as Hurst Holloway or Hill would have been. Yeah, um, Nathan Hart Hartshorn follows up with that. Um, when's the first interview planned? Um, well, he's pr- probably since seen, but it is 10 a.m. on Tuesday. 10 a.m. Tuesday, and Joe Massey will be there. I, well, I'm damn. I'm pleased I'm going to be there because the week after I'm off. Oh, I tell you what, that wouldn't have been good, would it? So I'm absolutely overjoyed they've done it this week because, um, yeah, that will see me through for stories next week. See him on Tuesday, and hopefully that will get we'll get enough stories from that to get me through to my holiday. Mm. Uh, thoughts on O'Connor not having contact from anyone at the club since Saturday? Says Nick Pritchard. I didn't know about that. I actually, I did. I've only heard it in the last hour. Someone mentioned it to me that he hasn't spoken to them since Saturday. I, I, that's apparently that's what he said. A bit. I mean, obviously, I'm surprised at that. Um, You'd have thought he'd have got a courtesy call or something, but I don't know. Look, I don't. I'm not. I don't know what's going on there. I, I'm sure it'll happen. I wouldn't be surprised to see him involved. Not maybe in Clark's setup, but maybe mm. in the youth setup at Warsaw somewhere down the line. Um, but yeah, that that statement he made on what, from what I understand, he made on WM last night is is a little bit surprising. Yeah, Daniel Cave. Uh, Clark has walked from and disagreed with prior clubs over promises he felt weren't met. Is this likely to affect his relationship with the board? For example, are they likely to have over-promised to get him? Uh, yeah, it's very, very interesting, actually, Clark's comments about Bristol Rovers. He definitely, definitely ramped up the heat on the board um, in terms of the finances that were available. He certainly felt with a bit more money he could get them to be challenging for promotion in, in League One. Look, I mean, we can't say the board have over-promised him. I mean, I, I wasn't at those talks. I haven't got a clue what they said to him, but... Having known the people involved, I've, I believe 
100% in my head and in my heart that they would have been completely open and honest with him from the moment they met him. So I'm absolutely sure Daryl Clark knows exactly the job he's accepted. Mm. Um, but yeah, though, I mean, but it is interesting, those quotes. It really is interesting. And it, 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 yeah, it may, it's it, potential for fireworks, I think, there. But we'll see. Let, fingers crossed it'll just be a very successful season and everyone will be very happy. Mm. Uh, Keith Thomas, how detrimental to the team has it been not having a reserve team in a league for both youth and fringe players? So I said it earlier, I said it a million times before. I think it was an absolutely ridiculous decision. You you just you, you can't get better. If you're a footballer, you can't get better if you're not playing football. It's just the most ridiculous concept ever. Walsall's young players needed to be playing. Personally, I think the likes of Joe Edwards needed to be playing. His first game back shouldn't have been in the Checker Trade Trophy. It should have been in the Reserve League. Because when we exited the Checker Trade Trophy, we basically had nowhere for him to play. Mm. You can arrange behind closed doors friendlies, but for me, it should have been they should have been in the Reserve League. I, I, I'd be absolutely amazed if they're not in it this season. Uh, Nathan Bryant as well. Did the club have Clark in mind when Keats was sacked? I don't know. I don't know. Um, all I know is that I think following Keats's departure I think they drew up a shortlist with five names is what I've heard and I think three of those names were Hurst, Hill and Clark Mm. Um, but I don't know who the other two were Um, so that's all I know on that that's all I know on that unfortunately Okay, Lee Reynolds any news Joe on a fans forum just like last year with Keats, Gamble and Mole but obviously this year with Clark would would this be a good idea or would it be a PR disaster especially if Gamble says we're geared up says we're geared up for championship football could be good PR to do yeah I think like there's no plans for one not as yet anyway they will definitely do them they always do them also I think they, they, they've they put out in some sort of club policy that they'll do a couple of year the, these things always surprise me you know? they always go a lot better than you think mm. um, I remember, you always think they're going to be a disaster don't I you? remember going one year and I thought Whitney was going to get absolutely lynched um, and he came out of it very very well and like the last one we went to that was set to be tasty as well but I think when people see Dan Mole and Stefan Gamble in action they sort of warm to them again and they're not just seen as like suits at the top of the club they realise they're people and they actually do talk sense so that said I think Gamble will probably be at a stage now where he's regretting the championship comment Mm. I I, I don't think he'll say that again I mean I'm sure in his heart of hearts that's the aim Um, just sets you up for a fall though doesn't it it sets you up for a fall and it's constantly being thrown back in him just like it was with Jeff when he said go and support like Luton, Bournemouth whatever Mm. Um, he's never escaped that and obviously it's not as drastic as what Gamble what Gamble said isn't as drastic but it's certainly being thrown back in his face now so I think he will I don't think at the next fan focus meeting he'll be saying championship football's the aim not when you're not you're in Union League Two. Not when you're in League Two. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Nick Etheridge uh, with a good question: How much do you enjoy writing a personal piece on the club rather than the standard player manager interviews and match reports? On a scale of one to ten, one being easy and ten full on beast mode, where would you place the piece and how high could you have gone? So I think uh, when I look at the stick I get on Twitter and on occasionally on up the saddles i get i do get criticism for not writing um more opinion pieces mm-hmm. um what are all those people who criticize me for that don't realize is there's an opinion piece every saturday in the paper and there's an opinion piece every monday in the paper on the game well the game it's like analysis for the game um, i don't put them online 
Um, they are paper exclusives. Um, that's my choice. I keep them in the paper only. Um, Not a choice I agree with, by the way. No, no, you don't agree online. with it, but um, that's my choice. I think you need to hold... It's the paper that makes the money at the end of the day. I think you need to hold stuff back so people buy the paper. So people who do criticise me for not writing enough opinion pieces, they are there. You just have to spend 75p every now and again to read them. It's not. It's really not that much money. Um, what about the people who live miles away? Well, I can't do. I can't do everything, can I? Like, like, wasn't like, can't you? Can't like give it everything away for free, can you? Like, people would never. People would never dream in a million years of going into a shop and like not paying like what and not paying for a paper, would they? If you want oh, them to shop, everyone reads the headline and back page without paying. Yeah, but if you're going to go inside the paper, you never walk out and go, "I'm not going." to... You never pick up a copy of the paper and just walk out of the shop and go, "I'm not paying for that." But everyone thinks when you go online, you should just be able to read it for free. Paywalls. Paywalls, mate. That's anyway. That's like the media's big debate, isn't it? That's the big thing. Um, that's the big thing that everyone talks about. But yeah, so I mean, I don't get, I enjoy writing the opinion pieces. I, I put them online when I feel like they really need to go online. Walsall's relegation, a manager sacking, a manager appointment. That's when I feel like I think like I feel like they're the pieces as a journalist where you really earn your crust. Mm. Um, I feel like like for example, if Southend sat their manager tomorrow, I would read what Chris Phillips wrote on that sacking, the Southend reporter, and I'd, they're the type of pieces I read from other clubs. Mm-hmm. The player, generic player, generic manager quotes. You, I, I don't read them from other clubs. Um, sometimes I get bored writing them, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, it is. A, it gets a bit same. It gets very, very samey. Like, you know, a lot of footballers and managers nowadays, they're media trained. They know exactly what to say and how to say it. And it all comes out the same. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we're going to give our best effort, this and that. And it's just footballing cliche after cliche. Yeah. Um, well, great. But I'm very pleased with the one I wrote post-relegation. And did I was, very well. Did very, very did well. Did well, didn't it? And I'm pleased with the one I wrote post post Keats is sacking. Um please with the one I wrote post O'Driscoll sacking as well. Um that was one that yeah I enjoyed. But yeah. So yeah I do enjoy writing opinion pieces. And I do it every, it is hard every week doing that. Like when the ones the ones some that's why one of the reasons why I don't always go online because some mm. of the stuff I put I write on the Saturday is a bit You feel like it's not quite it's good. It's not enough, quite good yeah. enough it's not like it's not great but yeah, but I, still pay you 75p. But still uh, pay you 75p for it. Um, but yeah, but I was pleased with the one I wrote the other day. Yeah. All right. We got a couple of other questions from different sources um, Oh. this time. Uh, one of them came directly onto uh, our, our, uh, our SoundCloud version of uh, the last episode, which I'm about to oh, try. So and... I've got no idea what this is. Oh, this is this is SoundCloud. So we, we, as, as, as you can all tell, we are currently trying to access uh, our SoundCloud Um comments so the first this one uh, comes from a guy called brian he commented at 42 minutes 46 seconds into the previous podcast he said i love listening to the beat i'm 83 and i live in hampshire so we can't buy the express and star joe he can't buy it um i'm a lifetime Warsaw supporter and looking at the online express and star is a daily must for me i must admire i, I much admire joe massey and i always look forward to his contributions tell me how does one submit a question to the beat well, I'll tell you what, Brian, um, you've, just, you've just submitted one. But if you wanted to email us, you can do that. Uh, and that, that can be done to Walsall Podcast Expressestar.co.uk, which is exactly what Paul Marston, oh, friend no, of the podcast, Paul Marston, Paul Marston has done. Uh, and he sent this email. I mean, who was that first? Brian was that? Did you say before? Uh, Brian, yeah. Brian, very fun. I love that. I love that he's commented. 
Yeah. 83 years old and Walsall fan. If he ever wants a paper, all he has to do is contact us and we'll post one to him. That's what I do for Brian. And he, he doesn't have to pay 75p. He doesn't have to pay 75p. We'll there you go, that. Brian. Get in touch. Um, so, yeah, Paul Marston has emailed in. Oh, Friend no. of the podcast, Paul, Justin, Paul Marston. Um, this came through 13 days ago on the 27th of April. Oh, Marston's been waiting for this. Yep. He says, well, gentlemen, I did forecast relegation more than two months ago on your podcast. And naturally, I'm sorry to have been proved correct. My other forecast was that they could be in a League 2 relegation scrap next season unless Jeff Bonser acts quickly to appoint an experienced manager who can build a decent team long before a couple of weeks before the big kickoff. The fans have been robbed. SOS save our saddlers. Fortunately, Paul, uh, a manager managerial appointment has, of course, been made now. We would love to get you back on the podcast and get your thoughts on things. Uh, but, Joe, what do you make of that? Do you know what? I mean, Paul Marston, what a man. I do love him, really. I'm giving him a hard time. But do you know what? I've got to take my hat off to him. Um, he told me, he came on the podcast very early on in the season um, when me and Nathan were getting very, very, very excited. Um, the holiday I'm going on next week, I was actually talking about whether I'd need to get a flight back early because I thought we might get into the playoffs. Oh, um, And Marston sat there and he said, I think we're going to finish around 15th, I think he said. Mm. Um and he was very, and he, I mean, I mean, ultimately we finished even worse than that. But he, he was very right not to get carried away. Do you know what? I think around November time, certainly when they weren't top of the league, he told me Luton were going to win the division, and I told him they wouldn't. Um, I really thought it would be Sunderland or Barnsley, um, but again, he was absolutely spot on. Um, and it's, it's, if we're being honest, it's worrying what he thinks because he does see he. He, he's he's not he's worried about next season. He is really really worried about it. He can see Walsall struggling in League Two, and so what? Paul Marston covered Walsall for a hell of a long time. He knows football. He knew what was going to happen this season, pretty much. So you have to take his opinion very very seriously. Um, just got to hope and hope that everyone this we get Daryl Clark does the job we need him to do. Because like I said, I said at the start of this podcast, I believe it's the biggest appointment Bonser has ever made, um, and it is massive because there's no doubt about it. We are at a crossroads, a massive, massive crossroads. Um, and we need to be a very, very, very competitive League Two side. Mm, certainly. So thanks for emailing in, as always, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, right, a quick segment for you. Um, oh, Jesus, We've got we're, time we're, for this. We're yeah, we're, we're, we're running on a little bit, haven't we? Uh, this is a quick segment, though. So, Daryl Clark, the initials are DC. Do you, do you like comic books? No. No? Well, this is going to be a struggle. Because um, this 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 segment could fall flat on its face, or it could be a hit. I don't know yet. Um, so DC is one of the uh, the big comic book manufacturers. One of the, you know, you know what I mean. When, I said, when you said DC, I thought of David Coulthard. Oh, did you? That's not what you were hoping for, was it? No, it wasn't. To be honest. Um, but anyway, I'm going to ask you which Walsall players uh, contracted to a club do you think will be D- will be Daryl Clark's or DC's superheroes next season? Oh, nice. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well so, I like it. That's good. Who will be Daryl Clark's Superman next season? The man he can rely on most, A, to stick around, but B, to put in a shift every single game? George Dobson. George Dobson. Good choice. I knew you were going to go George Dobson. I love him. Who's going to be his Batman then? A bit smarter. Not not reliant on his brawn all the time. A bit smarter. You know, he knows what he's doing. A bit of a detective as well. Kind of figures things out well. Someone who's got a nickname of a superhero, but isn't Batman. Go on. Josh Gordon, Josh. a.k.a. Flash. That's what they call him. 
I see. Um, this is a problem here because I was going to ask you who's going to be the Flash. All oh, right, well, our Flash Gordon's he's going to have to be the Flash, isn't he? But I do think, I do think like his intelligence next season could be key. Mm. Yeah, I think he's I think he's in for a big year. I really, really hope he's in for a big year. So, is you going as Gordon as the Flash or Batman, or a bit of both? He can be Batman. Well, if I'm going to do something, no, he can he can be the Flash. So, who's going to be Batman? <sighs> Liam Roberts. Liam Roberts. Sticking my neck out on the line. I genuinely believe, I mean, I've repeated myself, but I genuinely believe he's got a real bright future and Batman flies about, doesn't he? Not quite like Superman, but... Not quite like that. But he can glide and stuff. So Liam Roberts will be flying around. Good the choice. Goal. Who's going to be his Robin then? Who's going to be his right-hand man, basically? Yeah. Who's going to be Liam Roberts' right-hand man? Well, not necessarily. It could be Daryl Clark's right-hand man. Oh, it could be Daryl Clark's right-hand man. Yeah, so, so imagine if Daryl Clark was now Batman, who would be his Robin? Someone he can rely on in the dressing room. Doesn't necessarily have to play week in, week out. Well, it's going to be... Someone he can rely on is Liam Kinsella. Liam Kinsella, if he hangs around. And finally, who's going to be the Joker? Ooh. The Joker of the Walsall side. See, I'd say the Joker at the minute is Cook... Um, and, Joker in the pack yeah and I'd say Ferrier is a Joker as well yeah I was going to say because Ferrier you never know what you're going to get with him very unpredictable much like the Joker yeah he, I mean it could be Ferrier I, I think there's a chance he'll leave but he is very very unpredictable isn't he Ferrier and and there's no doubt the abil- his ability there he wouldn't have been at Arsenal and Forest for as long as he did he wouldn't so yeah maybe maybe Morgan if he doesn't get any interest well, that's that's part of being a joke. You don't know whether he's going to stay or go. Yeah, that's true. There you go. All right, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, so that was that little segment. Um, now let's talk about the 2018-19 season. Let's look back at it and let's let's try. Oh, do let's, we have to? No, but let's try and do it in a in a, in a fun way. So what I'm going to do in a fun is, way. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell you only came to six games and you owe me four coffees. You you can, but we're going to go through some of the best and worst moments and just kind of get your your thoughts on them. So what was your best moment of the 2018-19 season? It could be anything. It could be anything from hearing one fan berate Trevor Kettle on the sidelines um, to an actual performance or goal. Best moment of the... It was probably... It's hard because you put me really on the spot. I am. I haven't prepped you for any of this. Um... But it'd probably be Cook's goal at Barnsley. Mm. Um, last minute, I think he came off the bench. He did, came off the bench. Um, and it continued the unbeaten run, I think, or it was shortly after the unbeaten run. I can't remember, but we really matched the side that we're always going to be in the race for automatic promotion. It was a crest of a wave time. Everything was going really, really well. And it was a big goal for Cook. Mm. Um and like just before it, Jack Fitzwater missed that absolute howler that made its own Sky Sports clip. I mean, it was miss of the season. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, but like Cook stuck it away, and it was uh, we got very excited. Me and Nathan in the press box. Um, so much so you got told off. Yeah, and then yeah, so much so we got told, which is just par for the course for me these days. Um, so I think that was probably my best moment. That and Kieran Morris's late winner at Daryl Clark's Bristol Rovers. I was just going to ask uh, you, what was your best goal? Oh, best goal. Um, I know which mine was. Was our Osborne versus Portsmouth? Wasn't well, given, though. That was against Barnsley. Oh, Barnsley. Yeah. yeah Barnsley. Um, best goal was, the, I think it was probably Jack Fitzwater's against um, 
It was in the checker trade cup. Was it against Middlesbrough? I can't remember. He produced an outrageous bit of skill. Yeah, good goal, that. Yeah, I, can't, yeah, I, can't, I think that was probably it. Best player? Ooh. Cook is my player of the year. Cookie. Best away day? Bradford? No chance. <laughs> uh, best away day? Oh, God, hands down. Gillingham away. God, we were brilliant. Yeah. One three now. Cook got a hat trick. I thought that was it. I thought uh, I thought we were going to have no problems after that. I don't know how they could play like that that day and be so poor in all the other games. It was they were so good that day. Um, should have been a platform to build on, but unfortunately it wasn't. Best poddy. Well, this is the best poddy. This the best poddy episode. Oh, the best got beat. Yeah. Oh mate, my memory's atrocious. Um, oh mate, when you did that thing with the accents. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty what good. What number was that? Uh, I don't know what episode it was exactly, but it was um, it was the one when uh, they were playing Sunderland, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. That was funny. Sunderland. Yeah, that was a good one. I can't one. believe we're on episode 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 19 episodes and we're still going. Can you believe it? Uh, Worst moment then. Worst moment. Relegation confirmed? Or was it another point? Uh, worst moment either... Our worst moment for me was Keats's departure and the manner in which it was done. I mm. just did not like that meeting with Jeff and Martin O'Connor Public, in the publicly, stands. Publicly, yeah, publicly done. And like, I've obviously like had to be critical of Keats and like wrote things same way. Like, but I really, really like the guy. Obviously, he's a Sadler's legend. Really didn't want to see him go. Didn't like the way that was handled. And then, I think like the lowest that 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 and um, I've just oh, drop my glasses. That and the way. Those three games against um, Accrington, Wickham, and Southend. Yeah. Predominantly the the Accrington one, um, where I was just left so annoyed, so annoyed, like at just what an absolutely dreadful performance that had nothing, no, that gave absolutely no hope of us staying up. Mm. Um, that was probably yeah Keats's departure in the Accrington game were the moments I thought, oh, this is dreadful. Worst goal conceded. Ooh. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Barnsley one wasn't great, was it? Ah, let's go for that one. What an absolute kick in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. Outplayed them, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely that one. Yeah, that's a good shot. You can dodge this one if you want. Okay. Worst player? Um, can I give a joint award? Yeah, you can do that. Ferrier and Ismail? Um, for basically the pair of them being outstanding until October and doing absolutely nothing afterwards. Mm. I just don't know what happened there with either of them. I mean, that you look at how well they did at the start and how well Walsall did at the start and then how poor both of them were after and how poor Walsall were after. And it just cannot be a coincidence. Um they frust- like I, do you know what I really like Morgan as a person he's so bubbly and like nice to he like he's so chatty and nice to be around mm. don't know Zelly really he doesn't really talk to us um, but I've always said with Zelly oh my god how talented is he mm. he's so talented it's ridiculous he, but he should be he should be producing more um, and those two for me have like disappointed. I think I'm, I know what you're going to put as worst away day. Um, go on. I thought you were going to say Bradford. 
Oh, Bradford, yeah. Um, yeah. Accrington was, uh, I'm repeating myself, but Accrington and Wickham, um, just lifeless performances, really, that, that left you very, very flat. Mm. I'm not going to ask you for the worst poddy episode because they've all been great. They've all been great, haven't they? Yeah, there's not been a single bad one, has there? No. Not, not for us, anyway. I'm sure for the listeners, there have been plenty of bad ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's finish up. All right, then let's talk League Two. Um, how do you think Warsaw will do? Um, what will be, what will constitute success? Haven't we had this? Yeah, kind of. Um, look, well, the truth is, it's impossible to say, isn't it? We cannot say. Well, look, we've got 19 players out of contract. We've got a manager appointed today. Who, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Who knows who's going to be in our team next year? I've got absolutely no idea. Um, but um, let's just say I'm infused today. I'm very, very infused. I'm pleased Daryl Clark's our boss. Um, I think there's the, 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 the momentum has shifted. It's like we're starting to see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Um, and I feel confident we can give it a go next season. Um, and I'd take a playoff place now, if I'm being honest. Um, I'd be happy with that. I'd take a playoff place now. But I'd like to think... And that's what that's what I'd, and that's what I'd like to think will happen. We'll, hopefully, we'll all we'll have a season where we're always in with a shout of either automatic promotion or the playoffs. And look, third gets you up automatically in League Two. Like that's a big difference to second. It's yeah. a big, big difference. Um, so, got to go for it. Absolutely, got to go for it. Your prediction. I'm asking you before the season started. Oh, what are your predictions? Now, when we haven't, we don't even know players we've got. Going in blind, mate. Well, complete blind prediction. I'll go playoffs. Playoffs. I'm saying all sorts of finish third. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, won't. I won't attend any games though, because if we if I do, then they won't win. Yeah. So you you are yeah yeah. I think I should be banned. You should be banned. You really, really should be banned. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up this episode. Joe, are you, are you happy to talk talk this through? It's a good episode. Good episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've a lot of like I need you need to probably need to shut me up at certain points because I was rambling on a bit, wasn't I? I? But dare shut you up, Joe? Would you not? No, I can't. Nathan stop. does. He's like shut up, Joe. Oh, really? No, no, no. I really can't in. do that. I can't do that. I'm too polite. You are much more polite than me. Much either. to my detriment sometimes, because Nathan can like pull up at games, not have car parking, and he just blags his way in. I'm just like. I'm really sorry. Do you mind if I park? And they're like, no, no. mate. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll leave. And off you yeah. go and park 20 minute walk away. Yeah, and pay like a fiver. Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway, that wraps up, that about wraps up this episode. Uh, thanks for all the questions that are coming in. Uh, make sure you keep them coming. And may I also ask, that, um, drop us a review as well on our iTunes. It'd really be helpful for us. And um, Oh, is that what we're doing now? Reviews on iTunes? Yeah, there are reviews on iTunes and it actually helps our ranking. So if you type in Warsaw under the podcast search, if you have lots of reviews, we'll it puts you up there. We'll put that way. That's interesting. So I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to plug it so we can get more reviews. Try and keep them five stars. If you if you don't like us, then just, just don't review us. us. Just, just don't review us. Fortunately, I don't think if you liked us, you would have got this far in the episode. But who knows? Uh, but no, that just about does it. For another season, um, for now, we can look forward to uh, League Two football, eh, Joe? Oh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Hopefully, hopefully, next podcast in a couple of weeks, or maybe a little bit longer, but with Chris Marsh, he has promised me. He has promised me he's coming on. And I told him, I'm saying it on this podcast, that Chris Marsh has promised to come on. So we'll have a Marshy special. God knows where that'll end up. Oh, I dread to think. Yeah. 
All right, for now, uh, that'll do us. We'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time, maybe a little bit longer. But until then, up the sappers. <laughs>